Carrie the Addisons. Let me say this, as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, we've got to be careful and make sure that in everything, man, we are trying to get as close to what the word says as possible. And we got to understand that with that type of wickedness, man, you know, God does not wink at that. That's judgment. Promoting truth, wisdom, and empowerment. And you don't have shades of truth. You have truth or you have error. You have fact or you have fiction. And now we go into the thick of it. Uh oh. Uh oh. Erin Addison's. On American Family Radio, thanks so much for listening. I appreciate it. I'm Miki. And I'm Will. And you appreciate it. And Sherry B's <laughs> over in Studio CC, and she appreciates it's it. It's Friday. And it's Friday. Welcome feels to like your Monday. Friday. It does feel Tuesday like a Monday. And so like <laughs> to be consistent with what it feels like, then I think what we shall do is have a Monday show. <laughs> I apologize to anyone who looks forward to our gumbo show. You can still have gumbo. <laughs> it's great weather for that. Yes, Um, But we do is. have a conversation that we still want to have with um our American family listeners. You know, um, this is the body of Christ. You know, we say unapologetically that we do radio for the body of Christ. Yeah. So we're never Amen. going to attempt to be appealing to the world because Mm-mm. they don't like us. Yeah. It don't even make sense to do that. Like they, they, we're not going to make them love us no. because we cater to. There's nothing to you're going to be able to do about that. I'm not reminded of, of Rapunzel and Flynn Rider <laughs> when they're running from all of these. Sorry. Okay. I'm sorry that this isn't, you know, uh, which, by the way, no endorsement there because our family. Has, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> well, let me not be a hypocrite, you know, <laughs> talking about something that we have said, hey, we, we're taking a step back from them. Uh, but anyway, but if you remember the the movie, the animated mm-hmm. film, there is a scene where Flynn Rider and Rapunzel are running and all of these different people are chasing them, including the horse. <laughs> Was it Maximus? Maximus? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and And she's like, who's that? And he goes, they don't like me. And then they run into another group of people. Who's that? They don't like me. Who's that? They don't like, let's just say none of these people really like me. Okay. And I feel like that's the life of the believer. Um, (laughs) Instead of acknowledging it though, we have tried to find these cute little ways to, Mm -hmm. you know, to be relevant and to make people like us. Our own detriment. To our own detriment. The faster we, we realize that being peculiar invites the type of persecution and opposition that has been promised to us, right? The sooner mm-hmm. we realize that those things are real, that that's true, then we learn how to live in the midst of that. Mm. Uh, we've had it really, really easy in the United States of America. If you were listening yesterday, we were talking about knowing where we live will determine how we live. And we have to say goodbye to the America that we once knew. Mm. Unfortunately, and I, I want to um, invite you into a discussion that Will the Great and I are going to have about where we are in this what was described in the late 1920s to the mid 1930s um, described as the long march, mm-hmm. right? This, this long march that would bring specifically the United States, mm-hmm. but any nation with Judeo Christian values, but specifically bring the United States to the brink of the type of Marxist revolution that failed in Europe. Yeah. Okay. But we're going to get the United States there with something new um, cultural Marxism, mm-hmm. but it's not going to happen politically. In fact, politically speaking, that will be the last phase of the march. That will be <laughs> the last phase of the march. I want to posit something for you today, and we'll have a conversation around that 
I think that we're in the second to the last phase of the march. Mm. The this, second to the last. Yeah, this this okay. long march that was um, discussed and written about yeah. by the academics, and, and in particular Antonio Gramsci. I want to talk about where I think we are in that. And as we do, you know, we will bring in some some uh, headlines and talk about that, and then we'll open the phone lines up at the end and get your take on it. First, let me let you know what we're doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, will the Great, we're going to be in Bartlett, Tennessee. Mm-hmm. That is the Memphis area, correct? Pretty much Memphis, yeah. February 7th and 8th, we're going to be at Faith Baptist Church um, at a conference called The Gospel is Enough. It the, sure is. The go- <laughs> <laughs> Amen to that. The Gospel is Enough. It is a biblical look at the social justice movement. Ooh. A biblical look at the social justice movement. You've heard me talk about this a lot. You've heard me talk about critical race theory. You've heard mm-hmm. me talk about critical theory, uh, cultural Marxism and the roots of that and how this has infiltrated um, our culture, um, academia for sure, but now, and probably what is most startling, it has infiltrated the church. And and for, for that reason, among others, mm-hmm. I would say that, have you heard people say the culture battle or the culture war? Culture war. The culture war is over. Yes. They say, we've lost the culture war. Yeah, I've, I've heard that. Now, I think that, those who joined this fight probably in like the 70s and 80s, it appeared to be a culture war, like that this was the entirety of the war. Mm. I would like to say that now looking at this, it appears that we were in a culture battle. Mm. And you understand that within a war, you have these different battles right. that take place at these different points, these mm-hmm. different mm-hmm. locations, right? So you have, right. you know, the 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 battle of what is it valley forge or Mm. the the battle of bull run or Mm -hmm, whatever mm -hmm. you know and so i think that when we talk about the culture war i think it may be more accurate to describe it as um the culture battle Mm. and to do that consistently because i feel like this fight that we're in moves location it moves the war is ongoing ongoing yeah but the battle moves location right and i think that what we were fighting in like say the well really the 60s <laughs> i hate to you know i i feel like the parent who's like i gotta have a tough conversation <laughs> with the boomers <laughs> hey boomers just be respectful i i know i will <laughs> i will honor and respect my elders hey boomers um the more research i do the more i realize that you guys were at the front of the line in this long march here Okay, mm. this this battle <laughs> that we're in in toppling the culture, you know, we may we may discuss this a little bit more <laughs> with respect to the boomers, right? Because they're because the Generation X, Gen X, right. got such That'll a bad rep. Like yeah. that's you know, it would be like you know, you guys with your loud music <laughs> but, and your tennis shoes. Yeah, but it had to come from somewhere. Like gen, that's the thing about generations. If you point at another generation, usually you gotta. Point back at yourself because yeah. if you're looking at the younger people, well, there was some. Who are their parents? Yeah, there was some drop balls, <laughs> you know, in the previous generation that caused. Who are their parents? Yeah. It's like, who's your mom and them? Yeah. That's what we say in New Orleans. They didn't just happen and it just kind of, you know, no. It yeah. Was, yeah. When I, when I, I remember growing up in New Orleans, you know, if you ever, if there, there was just like this common understanding, this may have been everywhere, but there was this common understanding that if you got out of line, 
you know, people say, we know who your daddy is. We know mm-hmm. who your mom is. Mm-hmm. We know where you live, <laughs> you know. And anyways, let me just finish this up. The gospel is enough. Yeah. Um, that's happening. If you're in the Memphis area, if you mm-hmm. are anywhere around there and um, you can come and be a part of that. Look, we've got to do battle where the battle is. Yeah. And so to the point that I was ultimately making, the battle is not over. The battle for culture is not over. However, I will say that the front lines of the battle have moved from out there mm. to now inside the church. Yeah. So the culture battle is still going on. Mm-hmm. It's going on inside the church. Yeah. And I'm going to share some quotes here to make my point here. Right. As we when we dive into history and we look at where we are now, we understand that when you've got fruit, so to speak, falling from a tree, that tree had to grow up. And that fruit had to ripen. Mm. So what we are now gasping at and (laughs) so to speak, (laughs) collecting in baskets and trying to salvage and all of these things. I mean, it had to grow up. Right. And the fruit had to ripen. Yeah. And, and, uh, you know, a clear example, and we may get into this, is what's happening in the Methodist Church, the United Methodist Church, where you have that culture battle. It has it's not just out there somewhere. You know, it's it's inside the church. It's inside the church. Here's the Washington Post headline. United Methodist Church is expected to split over gay marriage, (laughs) fracturing the nation's third largest denomination. The United Methodists expected to split into Mm -hmm. more than one denomination in an attempt to bring a close to a years long and contentious fight over same sex marriage. That's the culture battle. Mm -hmm. That's the culture battle. Mm -hmm. You see, so. We lost it outside of the church, mm-hmm. but then the battle has just moved fronts. So now it's inside the church. And it has to go into the, in, inside of the church to, to be able to take over what, what, what they feel like they need to take over. Mm-hmm. Like that's the last frontier is the that's, church. That's it. So that's it. you're going to find all these different agendas encroaching upon the church because the church is the final frontier. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. So what the classical Marxists did not achieve in Europe. And they regrouped and developed new philosophies that would be more palatable and largely undetectable, right? So Mm -hmm. that you wouldn't recognize that what you're subscribing to is Marxism. So now we move from classical Marxism to cultural Marxism. But there's there's also an incredible amount of strategy that is employed. And, and, And the more I compare this and hold this up with, you know, the believers who were fighting at the time that these ideas were circulating and people Mm -hmm. were discussing this Mm -hmm. and you hold it up against the ideas themselves, you see that we are in the same battle Mm -hmm. that those who were before us Mm -hmm. were in. Mm -hmm. Now, you know, there may be slightly different results because evil has increased. Yeah. And and maybe will in some ways evil has increased because of the failed battles. (laughs) That preceded us. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Anyway, one of those men, I, I've mentioned before on the show we've talked about, in fact, I did an entire presentation and I mentioned George Lukacs who mm-hmm. um, engaged in something that he termed, he coined the term himself, cultural terrorism, <laughs> where, you know, he would um, rob children of their innocence, um, sexualize children, um, rip them away from those, you we know. We are living in what this guy was talking about. Exactly right. Exactly right. Well, where now, and that's why I say that this, um, this, the, the, oh my goodness, the guy, uh, Hay, who was arrested in Wisconsin. Oh yeah. He's not an exception. Right. He is the norm right. that they're hoping we don't realize. Exactly. Right. So anyways, uh, Antonio Gramsci 
was another one of those cultural Marxists whose ideas were that if we're going to cause a revolution, it's not going to start politically. Mm. Mm -hmm. The political revolution will be the final leg of this long march, Mm. right? So once the long march is over, you would see a change in politics. Mm. We're not there yet. The second to the end, if mm-hmm. you will, of the long march is the church. Mm-hmm. It's, it's Christians, mm-hmm. right? It, we are the ones who are standing between sort of that final frontier, that, mm-hmm. that, that last leg of the march, right? So basically the, to get to the, the final agenda that they desire, yes. the church has to be weakened the ch- and eradicated. The church has to be weakened. The church has to be destroyed. But here is why I think that um, it, won't, it won't be this. Correct. <laughs> correct. We hold to the promises Amen. that the Lord Jesus has made to us, that the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. Amen. What's problematic for these cultural Marxists are those who believe that and live it out daily. Mm. <laughs> now, I think that there's been some victory on the cultural Marxist front. Mm-hmm. The Southern Baptist Convention is having a problem right now. Yeah. The Methodists, as we just said. Yeah. They're having a problem right now. But this, again, is a part of the long march. This, again, is a part. This is cultural Marxism gaining a footing, which will ultimately lead to taking over our political system. Mm -hmm. Right. So let me I want to share some things. And and I hope that this will be as chilling to our listeners as as it is to me to read and to study and to learn. But I want us to be able to do battle where the battle is. When we say knowing where we live will affect how we live as Christians. This is not a call for us to retreat. This is just a call for us to battle where the battle is Mm -hmm. and to know where we are living. It is not the same country. And this has been by strategic and consistent design. Right. right. This long march. All right. It's been a tiring march. (laughs) It's been an exhausting march, but it has been a consistent march. This long march, according to Antonio Gramsci, who wrote, by the way, a series of essays. He wrote a series of essays called The Prison Notebooks, a collection of essays called The Prison Notebooks between 1929 and 1935. And in these essays, he posited this notion, this idea of the long march and that this was going to be the revolution that they sought but were not able to attain, right? The long march would be through institutions, schools, seminaries, industries, entertainment, Culture would have to crumble in order for the minds of its citizens to be stolen. Mm. Culture would have to crumble in order for the minds of its citizens to be stolen. We got to grab the break. When we come back, I want to read to you a specific quote from these essays Mm -hmm. because that's the idea. What I just shared is the idea and the notion. But I want to give you a specific quote. And I want to tell you, this is where we are today. Aaron the Addison's American Family Radio. We'll be right back. I'm Peter Rosenberger, and this is your Caregiver Minute. Physical isolation is one of the most challenging issues caregivers face, but our thoughts become isolated as well. In those lonely moments, our minds can play tricks on us and take us down dark roads. Like a pilot flying through clouds without looking at instruments, we can become quickly disoriented. In those moments, we need external input, an emotional GPS, if you will, to help us regain our heading and proceed safely. We don't need to believe everything we think. The book of Proverbs tells us to trust in the Lord with all our hearts and to not lean on our own understanding. You know why that's in there? Because we lean on our own understanding. Serving as a caregiver is simply too difficult to do alone. Don't lean on your own understanding. 
Ask for guidance and help. Don't believe everything you think. This has been your Caregiver Minute with Peter Rosenberger, brought to you by Standing with Hope, a ministry for the wounded and those who care for them. There's more information at standingwithhope.com. Every day, babies in their mother's wombs are fighting for life, with abortion being the leading cause of death. I already had my mind made up. I was like, I'm gonna go through with it. The Ministry of Preborn has pregnancy centers nationwide, standing by to help young moms in crisis choose life. Preborn is the largest provider of free ultrasounds in the country. By letting a mother see her baby in the womb and hear the heartbeat, she's 80% more likely to choose life for her baby. When I'm sitting there, the lady is giving me my ultrasound. She's like making these weird faces. She's like, it's two. I just start crying. I was like, I can't. And sometimes the blessing is doubled. Preborn's mission is to help save babies' lives and souls. To find out more, go to preborn.com. That's preborn.com. Or dial pound 250 and say the keyword baby. That's pound 250 and say baby. Your love can save a life. A Moment of Truth with Gary Bryden, Executive Director of the Association of Independent Methodists. The young man's fiance came to him with a tall tale that broke his heart. She was pregnant and he knew for sure that he was not the father. What should he do? In 21st century America, the answer is quick and too often have an abortion. Praise the Lord, this couple did not choose that route. The Lord confirmed that the Holy Spirit was the Father and quote, a child is born, a son is given and his name shall be wonderful, counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. The young man was told, call his name Jesus for he shall save his people from their sins. Do you recognize him as your Lord and Savior? He wants to be. The Association of Independent Methodists, like-minded congregations doing together what can't be done separately. Visit aim2020.com. Welcome back to Aaron the Addisons on American Family Radio. We are not afraid of this culture. Mm-mm. And we want to encourage you to not be afraid as well. There's nothing, look, we have to be sober. We have to be sober. Mm-hmm. And we have to ask the Lord to give us strategy so that we can continue in this battle that we're in. Um, it's not against flesh and blood. And when we look at some of these ideas and we look at some of these um, these notions that we're battling against, we realize that, man, that is the design of Satan. I yeah. mean, it is pure wickedness. It's pure. The battle, and this, this is, I, I say, you know, um, for Christians, for believers, and, and I would say, man, for image bearers, period, mm-hmm. we are in the crossfire of Satan's war against God. Yeah. You understand what I'm saying? His, his, his war against God. And now you don't have to be a victim of that. Mm-hmm. You don't have mm-hmm. to be a victim of that. The Lord Jesus Christ has made a way for us to not be a victim of Satan's war against <laughs> God. We don't have to be. Amen. Right. Amen. And so what we want to do here is we want to provide you the tools and the encouragement that I think the body of Christ is sorely lacking in today. We, you know, we either, you're either surrounded by people who are um, saying, Oh, we, you know, we, we, well, that's it. Just take our ball and go home. <laughs> that's it. Toast is up. We're done. You know what <laughs> I mean? Like, that's it. You know what I mean? We're, we, we either have those people or we have people who are like rushing into battle, but they don't have the proper artillery. Mm. 
Right. They're ready to go. They're gung ho. And it's like, no, hold on. <laughs> Sharpen your bayonet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, hold on a second. We got other stuff. Um, anyways, again, and I mentioned this, Will, you have to help me because I sometimes forget gospelisenough.com if you want to know about this conference. Yes, yes. We're going to be talking about a biblical response to social justice in Memphis, the Memphis area. Great speakers. Yeah, go ahead. No, I'm just saying some great speakers are going to be a part of it. Uh, Abraham Hamilton III, Mm -hmm. you know, Daryl Harrison, Roger Walker, Mm -hmm. you know, Mickey Addison, and and more. And so you can go to that website and uh, find out more information. And I believe... I looked on the website, it said the, the, the conference cost $30. Mm-hmm. So that's it's not well bad. worth it. Well yeah. worth it. Um, Michael William O'Fallon, the founder and uh-huh. director of Sovereign Nations. If yes. you've been keeping up with what's going on with social justice, maybe you've seen some of his videos, the Trojan horse interviews, mm-hmm. um, all of these things. This is us battling where the battle is. This is us showing up to contend for the faith. Mm-hmm. We have to do that, guys. We mm-hmm. have to do that. Um, again, there is going to be and there remains a political battle to fight, but you have to understand that that's sort of like the final focus for the cultural Marxists, mm-hmm. right? They are watching everything else crumble and then politics will be easy to take <laughs> because the morality will be gone. The Christian influence will be gone. So then of course they, I mean, they'll be clamoring. They need leadership. Mm-hmm. They need someone to step in and fill this vacuum where there is no morality. Yeah. Right there. There are no more these cultural norms that these people are accustomed to. Mm. So now they're ripe for our system. Now they're ripe for Marxism. They're ripe for socialism. Ultimately, they're ripe for communism. If we could understand this, like, so you can't just tell people, hey, you need to reject communist ideas. Mm. Most people will say, I don't even know what communism is. And then you think, well, that's see, that's you're ignorant. I need to school you. What you really (laughs) need to do is evangelize people. Mm. What you really need to do and watch this, not just evangelize, but disciple those who have made professions of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Because when you choose Jesus Christ, mm-hmm. you will reject everything else. Yeah. It'll Amen. make your job a whole lot easier. Amen. It really will. So listen to this. There's talking mm-hmm. about um, uh, Antonio Gramsci, right? And his idea, um, the long march, and how you're going to have to take this long march. You're not going to get this cultural revolution. You're not going to get this political revolution. You're not going to ultimately get the communism that you desire by just going at it politically first. You have to bide your time and ultimately get to politics. And he called it the long march. So it's the long march through the institutions, through the schools, (laughs) the long march through seminaries, the long march through industries, the long march through entertainment. That culture would essentially have to crumble so that then you could take the minds of the citizens. And this is a quote from him from his prison notebook essays. Right. This is what he said. um, Quote. The civilized world has been thoroughly saturated with Christianity for 2,000 years. Any country grounded in Judeo-Christian values cannot therefore be overthrown until those roots are cut. Mm. But to cut the roots, to change culture, a long march through the institutions is necessary. Only then will power fall into our laps like ripened fruit. Wow. <laughs> Don't you see the fruit falling right oh, now? Yeah. Don't you All see? Over the place. This is why you have these ideas and these notions of white guilt. Mm. This started in the 60s. Yeah. This started with the boomers. Oh, we've had it too good. We're ashamed to call ourselves Americans. <laughs> 
I look at some of these things. I look at some of these interviews with some of the boomers, and I'm like, whoa, guys. Mm-hmm. You had generations coming after you who were counting on you. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we cannot go back. We can't get in the time machine. But I will tell you, for those of us right now, there are generations coming after us who are counting on us. Amen. So, I, and, that, and I think that's where we have to look and we have to put our, dig our heels in the ground and say, okay, with this generation and the ones that's coming on after us, we have to be able to raise them up to be uh, 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 sturdy in the faith. You know, I think it's going to, it's going to happen like we were talking about, mm-hmm. house by house, family by family, you know, spread out to, to churches and communities, yes. you know, but it's going to start in the homes. Yes. How are we raising our children right. to be able to stand in the midst of this wicked culture? When you look around and you see the unrest that we're talking about right now, mm-hmm. Iran, mm. you look at what's happening now with our government. Mm. I mean, what should immediately come to your mind should be biblical references Mm. that there are wars and rumors of wars, but that these things have to be look, even as they, even as the cultural Marxists, even as wicked men who have devised wicked plans to try to thwart the plan of God, even as they see themselves as nearing the end of their March, they believe that, Oh, it's in sight here. If we can just get ourselves to 2020, I think they think things are going to shift for them. (laughs) For the believer, we should be looking at this and saying, our Lord told us that these things would be, Mm. So while this could be a dismaying time, it could be a distressing time for the Christian. It should also be an exciting time because we're like, whoa, whoa, wait, this wait. (laughs) Jesus said that this would happen. Mm -hmm. We're not looking at these things in a political vacuum. We are not looking at these things only from a military perspective. We are looking at prophecy that that is ours. The Lord has given this to us. He didn't have to. Right. But he gave us a heads up. Mm-hmm. These are the things that you need to watch for. Yeah. These are the things that are going to happen. And as we see those things unfolding, we shouldn't be wringing our hands and, oh, what are we going to do? And how are we going to? We should be like, you know what? Hold on a second here. This tells us that we're closer than we realize. Mm. And I'm going to tell you, there's some there's there's a difference in the wars and rumors of wars that we are experiencing at this time, as opposed to the wars and the rumors of wars that we've experienced in decades past and what the difference is, is the t- deterioration of the people, mm. the deterioration of the people. So the wickedness has like reached its max. Do you understand what I'm saying? When you've got people arguing with you that only women give birth, <laughs> that is a depravity yeah. that you can't have a nation come back from. Yeah. That, to use a biblical term, is called reprobation. Mm. That is being given over to oneself. Do you understand? Mm -hmm. We have seen nations fall because of this. In the United States of America, we're nearing the end of this long march. They have been successful, folks. They have changed the landscape of our country. They have changed what it looks like. But the battle is still going on. Now, we we don't you can't throw in the towel. Right. You can't just, you know, you can't get mad and go home and take your ball. Because the battle, while it's moved from outside of the church, and we're looking at the culture front, just looking at how people interact day to day, now the battle is inside the church. And that's, that's the last leg of the march, mm-hmm. you understand, before politics. Mm-hmm. Um, what's his, uh, Charles Reich, Charles Reich, who only died in June of 2019. Wow. Which I was like, man. He lived a long time. 91 years old. 91 years old. New York Times 
best-selling author and academic, wrote a book called The Greening of America. <laughs> the Greening of America. You want to know what he said about this revolution that was coming and, and the role that politics ultimately plays in that? See, politics is the last thing. It's the last thing. Mm-hmm. It's the end game for them. It's, it's the, the end game. Right. So, look, it's not, it should not catch us off guard. It should not surprise us that you've got Pete Buttigieg as a candidate. Right. So, in my mind, if, if politics is the last thing to get to their end, the first thing, the thing we should be uh, uh, looking at as Christians, as a family, and how to solidify, you know, our children and and make disciples. Because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. if, right, if, if their last thing is, you know, we got to get past the church, get rid of the church so we can get to our political gains. Yes. Well, the church has to dig its heels down and say, yes. we need to focus in on the family. That's right. And on children and on, you know, making disciples That's and, right. and winning the loss. We have got to use the tools that we have to play our part. Mm-hmm. You understand? So not all of us are going to be generals. You know, I'm thinking of I'm thinking of the Revolutionary War and I we were talking about this a little bit earlier. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking about the women who hung up their laundry in such a way that they gave signs to the revolutionaries, you understand, mm-hmm. to the patriots that, you know, to alert them of what was going on with the British. Like mm-hmm. so you've got moms right now who are like, Well, I don't know mm-hmm. what I I mean, I've got Come all on. these kids and I'm you better hang your laundry up. Mm. Okay. <laughs> Working against the opposition, do what you can do. And so here, this yeah, we have good. devalued the role of moms. You are raising revolutionaries. Come on now. You want to? You say you, your question is, well, how are we going to save our nation? I don't know what we're. I don't see where we're <laughs> going to come back from that. While you got a kid crying at your ankle that you keep shooing away. Mm. Well, I don't know what we're going to do. I mean, just what can we do? It's. I'm going to tell you what you're wow. not going to do. I'm going to tell you what's not going to save the nation. You're tweeting more. Mm. You're updating your Facebook status mm-hmm. more. Mm-hmm. You're showing people how great you are publicly while your family crumbles privately. That's not going to be a part of the revolution. That's right. If revolution is to happen with the people of God, it's going to start in our families. It's going to be a return to the gospel. It's going to be a return mm. to the authority of scripture. Amen. We're going to disciple people. We're going to stand face to face and toe to toe with the rebellious. And we're going to say that's not what we have inherited. Mm. That's not what has been passed down to us for 2000 years. <laughs> if we're it. if we're going to be a part of the revolution, it's not going to be he who tweets best. It's not. Mm-hmm. And you got so many frustrated families because they're like, I don't know what to do. What am I supposed to do? While again, our kids are often being indoctrinated away from the faith. Mm. You're going to have to put in the work. If you, want, if you want to raise revolutionaries in the United States of America, you're going to have to put in the work. And, and clearly, it's not going to be done politically. It's not going to be done that way. And that, that does not mean that you abandon all you know about what's going on. But the way that the wicked, I'm just going to say it, the way that the, the people that you're talking about see the end game coming to fruition for them is to have politics and, and all that stuff working. They have to remove the church to get there. Exactly right. So what does the church need to do? The church, like if we, okay, say we want to be involved, right? Well, you're going to run out of good picking sooner or later. Mm -hmm. You need to be raising children who have the kind of metal and the kind of moral character (laughs) that they can be in positions of political power and use that for the glory of God. Exactly. We don't have that. Right. I mean, look, AOC is like. (laughs) Yeah, but it's discipleship before that. 
Exactly right. You know, it's like the chicken or the egg. You know, That's it's, right. it's discipleship. <laughs> it's discipleship. In the home, raising up those children so that Before they can the be that, influence. so they can be moral. That's right. And and go into those positions and do what's right. And so do that what's their godly. knees don't buckle once they get exactly. there. Exactly. But if Look, we don't do the first part, the second part is. Forget about the second part. Exactly. Forget about the second part. Because you're going to have the same types. If you don't do the first part, then in the second part, you're going to have the same type of people that frustrate you today. Exactly. You'll be talking to your grandkids through the TV screen. Exactly. The ones you raised up. You guys go down there. <laughs> you're up on Capitol. You're not oh. doing. But those those are your people. Man. We've got. Man, we man. need a return to the truth and the authority of the word of God where mothers see the value of raising their children. Mm-hmm. That it's not like an afterthought. Oh, well, that's all. I, man, I'm serious about that. And for the fathers, you know, talking to, I believe it was Frank from Alabama yeah. that gave me a call and pointed out uh, the, the, the scripture in uh, First Chronicles mm-hmm. 12 mm-hmm. about the sons of Issachar who understood the times, you know, what Israel should do. Yeah. And he was saying that we have to be in that position and that mindset to raise up as fathers, to Amen. raise up our, our kids Amen. and our children to understand the times so they'll that they'll know, you know, what to do, you yes. know, and and would know what the church is supposed to do. Like there will be leaders. There will be ones that, that are able to come in and, and give some wisdom and some insight. Amen. That starts at home. That starts at home. You know, Amen. and so shout out to Frank. I, Amen. I, you know, He's right great, on it. Because listen, if we don't culture proof our children, if we don't make our children impervious to this culture, then all you're doing is footing the bill. For soldiers for the other side. Exactly. That's all you're doing. Exactly. You're, you're only you're taking care of the you're food, clothing, and shelter, enemy. and then you, <laughs> I mean because they're growing up right now, enemies in your own household. Mm-hmm. But listen to this quote from Charles Wright. This is 1970. He wrote this book, The Greening of America, it's a New York Times bestseller. Listen to this. He says, or he said, there is a revolution coming. It will not be like revolutions of the past. It will originate with the individual and with culture and it will change the political structure only as its final act Mm. (laughs) family of god do you see that that's where we are wow do you see that that's what's going on right continues it will not require violence to succeed and it cannot be successfully resisted by by violence Mm -hmm. this is the revolution of the new generation. Mm. <laughs> My question is, do the people of God have any revolution in them? Mm. Do the people of God have any revolt in them? Can we resist demonic forces? Can we resist the norm? Can we go against the grain of culture even once it infects the church? Mm. Aaron the Addison's American Family Radio. We'll be right back. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Such comfort. And yet, can you imagine having never read those words for yourself? 
Hi, it's Michael Woolworth with Bible League International, and we've been engaging the world with God's Word for more than 80 years for $5 a Bible. You know, there are Christians in Asia, Africa, Europe, Latin America, and the Middle East who've never held a Bible in their own hands because of corrupt governments that oppress, majority religions that persecute, and other conditions related to living remotely and in extreme poverty. Some of these new believers, they memorize long stretches of Scripture, while others cherish the word they heard preached on Sunday until they can gather again. They long for God's Word to hold in their hands and to cherish in their hearts as they grow in His grace and knowledge. Details on how you can be involved are at SendBiblesNow.com. That's SendBiblesNow.com or by calling Bible League at 800-YES-WORD, 800-YES-W-O-R-D. The purpose of government is to secure God-given or inalienable rights to man. America's premier historian, David Barton. John Dickinson, who's also a signer of the Constitution, he said, An inalienable right is a right which God gave to you and which no inferior power has a right to take away. Wall Builders Live captures the ideas of the Founding Fathers and then applies those ideas to the issues of today. Sunday morning at 11.30 Central on American Family Radio. Target is in the bullseye because of its transgender bathroom policy. A petition by the American Family Association to boycott Target now surpassing a million signatures and counting. People have their own beliefs and stuff, but what can it hurt? What can it hurt? What can it hurt? It It hurts our daughters. It hurts you. It hurts our families. It hurts me. It hurts hurts all all of us. us. Sign the petition to boycott Target at AFA.net. I'm a widow. I've worked for a bank for 31 years, and I've been retired now for 10 years. Myrtle Norris comments on her experience with the AFA Foundation. I had a lot of financial questions, and Dan Celia was, um, he answered my questions, and he helped me with a lot of decisions that I made. And then the charitable gift came up, and he explained that to me. I decided to get it, and I'm sure glad I did, because I know now that money is in a place that I know God wants it to be, and also get my monthly income from it. I believe in the AFA and what they're doing, because they're working for us. Learn how the AFA Foundation can work for you. You can contact the AFA Foundation through Facebook on our website, afafoundation.net, or call us at 800-326-4543, extension 345. Thank you for supporting the American Family Association. from my peers i made this for the people who can see and who can hear you got a trail of bad fruit but people feeding you with cheers if you walking in the seat you ain't as free as you appear ain't hard to see i see it clear we justifying our wickedness pleasures over storing up treasures ain't for the witnesses i cried to the lord the spirit of god visited revealed to me the hour and told me to walk in power welcome back to aaron the addison's on american family radio you're equipped for this moment yes you are. Yes. You are equipped for this moment. Amen. We are not dismayed. We, The church is advancing. And I know that this seems really weird. It's like the moment that we're having right now in the United States where, you know, a lot of people even living in the United I was reading a, a tweet from Rose McGowan, who oh. is an actress, who's apologizing to Iran Why? on behalf of, as she describes it, the 52% who are in like a hostage situation or however she described it. This actress, really irrelevant. You understand? <laughs> 
this country is waking up because we haven't experienced for a long time what it looks like to lead through strength, right? To say, mm -hmm. hold on a second, right? Yeah. Versus appeasement, right? Right. So the church is in a similar position. <laughs> Come on now. And 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 I want to, because I, you know, it's like, oh, Miki, how do you tie in the current events? I I give you a little bit of that, but you know where we focus is spiritual, and Amen. and that's the that's, body of Christ. That's where that's what we're looking that's where at. We are. And you cannot ignore the headlines because these current events portend the return of the Lord Jesus Amen. Christ. That's right. All right. Like, guys, if, if, if <laughs> <laughs> man, I just now I'm, I'm animated in my imagination and the Lord uses this and the instruction and the training of our children. Mm -hmm. All right. <laughs> but I just I imagine if the Apostle Paul was checking his news feed, it's like, oh, like for real, we who are alive and remain, guys, come on, let's go. We're, it's <laughs> we who are alive and remain. Yeah. Guys, we are nearer now than we have been. And, and I know people are like, well, obviously. <laughs> but I'm telling you, these things should be exciting. Yes, yeah. they can be, they can be, you know, they could be concerning. And, and you look at what's, but at the same time, you know that these things have to happen. Mm -hmm. You know that this has to go on. So the church has an opportunity where we now have to be stirred. And we have to be awakened to the fact that our call to follow the Lord Jesus Christ was never a call to just kind of drag along. Mm -hmm. It's never a call to drag along. You know, what is that? You know, this, this, this whole idea that we have had about the passivity of Christianity. I mean, come on, man. <laughs> you can be a gentleman and you can be an active follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. You can be a lady and you can be an active follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. Those two are not in contradiction. That's right. You're going to tell the truth and I'm still going to cook dinner for my husband and <laughs> I'll go you. get, I'll go get Appreciate your slippers. That. I'll go get your slippers. <laughs> you want your slippers? You, you sit in your recliner. I'm going to wait on you hand and foot and I'm going to tell the truth about the gospel. I'm going to tell the <laughs> truth about what's happening in our culture. I'm going to tell the truth about the role of wives, mm. the role of women's. That's not op the women's. The <laughs> <laughs> You know, one of your kids would love to hear that. Oh, did you say <laughs> I can hear him correcting you right as now. as a plural? <laughs> I meant it as a possessive. <laughs> Women's roles. Yes. And that's not oppressive. Guys, we've got to get back to the gospel. <laughs> got to get back to the truth. Amen. Amen. I'd like to open the phone lines up, but I let me tell you something. Something mm. that I want to do more. Okay. Something that I want to do more is I, I want to go to Thessalonians because we were talking about this. Mm -hmm. And... As the Apostle Paul is telling the church what to look for in the coming of the Lord, and he's talking about the day of the Lord, mm -hmm. he gives some final instructions to the church that I think really are where we are right now um, as far as how the church is supposed to posture herself, yeah. right? Certainly in the United States of America. Now, you know, there are different challenges uh, all around the world. Man, our brothers and sisters in Nigeria and in China, mm -hmm. you know, um, but in the United States of America, I see that we have um, almost sort of like a twofold type mission right now. And again, this falls under the category of knowing where we live uh, will determine and shape how we live, right? So we're on a rescue mission in the United States of America. Mm -hmm. we're, man, we're trying to rescue those people who are barreling toward destruction, Proverbs 24, we're trying to snatch these people off this conveyor belt. We have to do that. We call that evangelism. Mm -hmm. We've got to warn people. We've got to tell them the truth. But the mission doesn't stop there. 
because there is a work that is kind of difficult for us to believe because we're like, whoa, now, you know, we see it. We didn't always see it. But there are people among us who don't realize that they, man, they have some erroneous thoughts about the gospel and about the Lord Jesus Christ and about the authority of scripture. So that's the second half of our mission. We've got to aggressively disciple the weak in the faith. We've got to set our objectives in line with the scriptures. A lot of the foolishness that you see in liberalism is because they have not accurately met or accurately had communicated to them the gospel. Mm. The foolishness, the battles that you have in conversation with people who are members of your family, and you're like, dude, we grew up in the same house. <laughs> like, we, we went to the same church. Yeah. We have arrived at dramatically different conclusions. Some people need discipleship. Yeah. But Paul gives these final instructions, and we were talking about this earlier, and you can kind of break mm -hmm. it down into like some, some bullet points here. But I think it will help us in our engagement with one another because not every person that we come across is a fake Christian. Right, right. It'd be easier to just say, oh, you're fake. <laughs> yeah. But some Christians we come across, man, they're weak. Yeah. They're weak, and, and we need to do what we can to help strengthen them, to come alongside and strengthen them. First mm -hmm. um, Thessalonians chapter five, beginning at verse 12, I guess is, is, is where you'd start. Um, the apostle Paul writes, we ask you brothers to respect those who labor among you mm -hmm. and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Be at peace among yourselves. That's important. Be at peace among yourselves. And we urge you brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint hearted, Help the weak mm. be patient with them all. Mm. Haven't you seen those people among they're they're yeah. among oh, us. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They're they're among us, the weak, the faint hearted. The idol. The idol. They don't <laughs> man, they don't and we don't know what to do. <laughs> and so we, we don't just, do anything. We just hunker down. Yeah. Wait until, you know. <laughs> you've got the faint hearted. Well, we can use their pronouns. Mm. Mm. <laughs> Jesus tell Peter, I'm praying that your faith will not fail you. Turn back and strengthen your brothers. Yeah. You've got to be patient with them all. Though. Be patient with them all. <laughs> that could be hard sometimes. Yes. Because Lord knows you want to come at us sideways on a <laughs> social media post. <laughs> you just have to. I just scroll. <laughs> just keep, that's just a, keep scrolling. That's a 21st century spiritual gift. The gift of scrolling. <laughs> Not really, guys. I'm just kidding. That's not. And uh, be patient with them all. Mm -hmm. See that no one repays anyone evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to everyone. Rejoice always. Rejoice always. Mm -hmm. Pray without ceasing. Mm -hmm. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Mm -hmm. Verse 19, do not quench the spirit. Mm. Do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecies, mm. <laughs> but test everything. Hold fast what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. Mm -hmm. Now may the peace, I'm sorry, now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. Amen. This is the place that we're in right now, right? We've got people among us who are weak. They're wavering. You know, they, they just, 
and and we want to make them our enemies. Mm-hmm. Really, they need our help. And you see it clearly within the church. You know, we like we got denominations who are bowing down to the spirit of the yes. age. Leaders within denominations who are cutting deals and and trying to you know soften things, mm-hmm. going away from the scripture. Come on, Will. You know and. Yeah, it's sad because some of those in leadership can be weak, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and, and but the, but Paul, you know, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, you know, we have to be patient with them all. We have to pray without ceasing. Not, don't despise, you know, prophecy, all that stuff, you know, he's given us um, and that we can labor the good, a good, a good fight, like work a good, a good work, you know. But if, if we as the ones who can see and discern also begin to like be weakened and, and go into mm. what I mean what what hope is there? Well if like, the salt loses its savor. Yeah. Like what then what what hope is there? There's none. There's none. So we who are watchful and we who see we've got to keep the main thing the main thing. That's right. We it's like man, you you know, we, we gotta have, you know, um as you know, I guess as my son <laughs> said one time, you know, take your nerf gun and your Bible and put it in your backpack. <laughs> <laughs> he's clinging to his guns and his bible <laughs> it was a nerf gun but still i'll take it <laughs> right. you know we got to do both yeah we can't retreat from the culture Me yeah yeah we can't <laughs> retreat from the culture mm. there's a great article here chris woodward uh one news now you can find this over at onenewsnow.com the research says that you read the bible every day and you'll grow mm-hmm. read the bible every day and you'll grow so when i'm talking about these things that we see going on the battlefront moving to the church, the battle now coming into our midst, right? Um, One of, and the biggest safeguard that we have against this is knowing what the word of God says. Mm. Do you know that we're really truly, believers are really truly changed as they read the word of God. You cannot read the word of God and stay as you are. That's right. That's right. You cannot. It is an impossibility. Mm. The question then comes to mind, and we have this article here, there is a 2012 study done that showed with with research mm-hmm. that the more Christians read the Bible, <laughs> the more they change spiritually. Amen. So the weak and the faint hearted, if mm-hmm. you are to start your job of discipling and training them, then the first thing you want to do is start by encouraging them in the reading of God's word and prayer. Amen. The reading of God's word and prayer. Listen to this. For more than eight years, and this is from 2012, but for more than eight years, the Center for, Center for Bible Engagement has researched the spiritual lives of more than 100,000 people from around the world. <laughs> 100,000 people from around the world. The findings consistently show that engaging the Bible four or more days a week is the single most powerful predictor of spiritual growth. Our conceptual definition of spiritual growth focuses on becoming less of the person I was before I committed my life to following Jesus and more like Christ in my thoughts, words, and deeds. We use multiple measures of spiritual growth, including moral behavior, emotional struggles, proactively living out the Christian faith, and self-perceived growth. Listen to some of the key findings here. Guys, a lot of what we see right now sort of our inability to do battle right now in the church, these things infiltrate in the church, is because people are not reading the word. They're more in love with people who teach the word than mm, they are with the word. That's true. 
You ever talk to somebody and ask them something and they tell you what their favorite Bible teacher mm -hmm. says? <laughs> yeah. Guys, the veil That's has true. been torn. Come on. Okay? You can come to the Father. You can know God. He has revealed himself to us. He discloses who he is. Why would you be running to someone else and saying, tell me what you think mm. he is? <laughs> tell me who you think he is. That's easier. Yeah. You don't have to right. have much investment right. to let somebody tell you what they have gotten from the Bible. Right. Here are the key findings. If a person engages the Bible four more times a week, their odds of giving into temptation, such as drinking to excess, viewing pornography, lashing out in anger, gossiping. People are like, is something wrong with that? <laughs> yes. I want to say, <laughs> I want to say yes, ma'am, but I'm going to say yes, sir, and ma'am. <laughs> and lying hmm. significantly decreases. Receiving a reflection, I'm sorry, receiving and reflecting on or responding to God's word four or more times a week decreases a person's odds of struggling with issues such as feeling bitter, thinking destructively about themselves or others, or having difficulty forgiving others or feeling discouraged. Engaging scripture produces a more proactive faith among Christians. Controlling for age, gender, church attendance, and prayer practices, the individual engaged in the Bible has significantly higher odds of giving financially, memorizing scripture, and sharing their faith with others. Mm. Listen, we have no excuse for the deficits that we experience. Yeah. We have no excuse for the ground and for the footing that we've lost. There's none. We have been given everything that we need that pertains to godliness. Amen. We There's no lack here. That's right. We can train our children. We can train our grandchildren. If we are to resist the onslaught of the culture, which now they have blown through outside the doors of the church. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And, and look, they're like the men of Sodom. They've come up to the doors of the church. They're like, mm. we're, we're, let us in. Man. Let us in. Wow. And you've got some churches and some denominations that have let them in. What I'm saying to the household of faith, what I'm saying to the visible church of the Lord Jesus Christ is that you must resist. Amen. You must stand on the word of God. If it appears that your thoughts on current events are like dinosaur thoughts, then consider yourself blessed that you have not capitulated or caved or given into the culture. We can do this if we will. That's right. Until Monday, Lord willing. God bless.